what are they doing there? They they just show up and play the violin like he yeah yeah he hired them to remember, come play there's music. No TV right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's what you do, and and one could play and how these ignorant people did cry her up for it. So they're they are they are oh how wonderful how wonderful and Sam is just it's not eh, that good. It's just okay. It's just okay. It's better than somebody swinging a stick around on stage, but <laughs> nah, not that much. <laughs> It's better than that stick swinging show we saw the other day. <laughs> Welcome to Nerd Episode 429. It's a podcast. I'm Mike and I'm Jim. Good morning. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. When darkness descends and all hope seems lost, the show's outcome depends on some dice that God's tossed. Out of the water and onto the beach, it's a D-Day miracle. Our victory's within reach. He comes to the rescue again and again. Like Tom Hanks in that movie, it's History Nerd Jim! <laughs> A History Nerd Jim is 1099. Woohoo! Welcome back, Jim. And oh my goodness, it's a delight to be here, and what a what an auspicious day to be here. It is, that? as we're recording, <laughs> uh, before noon on June 6th, 2021. But it is D-Day. 77th anniversary? 77 years. Yep. 77 years no it's uh as a as history nerd jim is military history nerd jim i'm not a world war ii guy by inclination but i was raised in a generation where our grandfathers and fathers my father served our fathers and grandfathers all served and it was all around us i was telling my son edward the other day he was asking me about the vietnam experience the korea experience and i said here's what you can't get world war ii was all encompassing for america Oh, yeah. You know, it was it, and it was it was existential. Look, we were attacked. Let's be clear. You know, <laughs> we were actually we were not in it until they hit us first. Yeah. And then we went, OK, you wanted a piece of this. Here we come. <laughs> Hawaii, well, no, I, think about this. Hawaii about this. does and this count. Is brought, <laughs> this was brought to me by the great military historian John Keegan. He said, we may never see again. What happened in World War Two from America? We were able to build, staff, and float the Armada that lands on the morning of June 6, 1944, while simultaneously building a whole extra army and navy for the Pacific. Yep. There's nothing like it in human history. Nothing comes close in terms of pure military production. Well, they shut down all the factories that were making cars and radios and... Sewing machines and they built and new factories and heck people you know, used we, back we then. had the capacity we had the manpower we had the resources the money and also we weren't touched yes we were punched first but that was over in hawaii right you know we didn't have major cities getting bombed on a daily basis our industrial sector and the resources that supported it were untouched and we had vast quantities of those natural resources unlike in europe where well, they're tripping over each other, right? That's part of the problem. Yeah. 
and it's and so yes, we uh, we you know we had all this, we had all these incredible resources, we were untouched, we had all this stuff, and we did this amazing thing, and it became part of our stories. And then, of course, a generation came along of filmmakers. Uh, for well, you had the first wave of filmmakers, the uh, the the John Fords and the Frank Capras that came along and told brave stories, and then you had the Sam Peckinpahs. That, that came along and told other stories of the Second World War. But then, then Steven Spielberg comes along and b- borrowing the reference that you made in the introduction, <laughs> we get Saving Private Ryan. We get yep. Schindler's List. We get, you know, all these pieces. And then of course, then of course, Band of Brothers and and every and every movie otherwise that Tom Hanks is in. And it becomes part of our lore. It becomes part of our legend. And so, yeah, it's, it's pretty unavoidable. And, you know, I'm glad it is. I'm glad it is because those were some brave men. It isn't often in life we get an opportunity to do affirmative goods and to take on evident evils. And, and certainly Hitler's Germany was that. And so that, you know, that response and, and that experience was, is pretty cool to remember. And this is as good a symbol of it as anything. Indeed. We should not uh, forget what happened and the sacrifices that were made. You know, and wow. As now, this was in March 2021. Okay. March 2021, according to dday.org, which is a pretty good source. You'd think. <laughs> uh, there's only about 300,000 World War II vets still alive. That many? That is approximately 1.8 percent of those that served wow really 16 million u.s veterans or d-day veterans sorry so that's of the 16 million oh that's d-day oh wait a minute what's this clip because this is i'm I'm looking at a precise here let me dig down a little bit right and it does say that there's no clear answer i get that um oh here we go the generally accepted number of uh, Americans who served in uniform during World War II is 16 million. According to the Department of Veterans Affairs, there were 325,574 still living last September. That is, of course, an estimate, not an actual census. By September, shut up. Is that right? So, wow. Well, and it's indicative of what's happening because of how old they are. Well, yeah. Last, well, because my dad, my dad is the tail end. He was drafted in August of 1944. Okay. And so you figure the war is only going on for another half a year. Yeah, a little more than that, but still. You know, so it's 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 getting pretty quickly over. But anyway, 325,574 still living last September. This September, it is estimated there will be 240,329. Whoa, that's a drop. And that does not take into account the effect of COVID-19. Yikes. That's, that's crazy. And so they take that proportionality to D-Day, and they therefore conclude that there are probably 2,520 D-Day veterans left alive. Wow. And, and they show photographs of some of them. And yeah, it's, it's what you'd expect. They're old men. And I, and I tell people, and, and there's been some Facebook memes about that, and I'm glad that there are. There have been Facebook memes about, yeah, I know what you see. 
you see an old man who can barely see, who's probably wearing the pens, who's walking with a cane and has blue jeans and white sneakers on. But that dude was once a badass. You know, he once he once jumped out of planes into the freaking dark, you know. <laughs> you know, just just watch, read the books, watch the stories and and remember them as they were, not as they are. But thank them as they are before we lose them all. That's crazy. That's a crazy small number. Oh my gosh. 2,500. 2,500. Of all of them. I mean, that's, that's, that's an estimate from all. That's nuts. But as we were talking about before we went live, um, as I hope you heard in my voice, I hope everyone heard in my voice, I have an immense respect for those that landed on D-Day, for those that parachuted on D-Day, and those who fought afterwards and before. There were Americans in combat before D-Day, right? Oh, yeah. But it, it, you lose perspective if you don't realize that only a few days later, well, what, 18 days later, the Soviet Union launches its own attack from the Eastern Front, known as Operation Bagration, named after the great Napoleonic general. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and it's fought from 22nd June to 19th August. So it really is the bookend. You know, it, it was really intended you know, we're attacking from the West, the Soviets are attacking in the East, but the Soviets destroy in that period 28 of 34 divisions in Army Group Center and destroy the German front line in the East. It is the biggest defeat in German military history, the fifth deadliest campaign in the history of Europe. And it kills, kills 450,000 soldiers. Wow. That's dead out of what to, what total number of casualties? Over a million? Yeah, Approaching over a million, a million total. Uh, b- believe, and we don't know because well, the, the, yeah. the German records are so bad and the, and the Soviets have, we, we're only gradually getting into their, um, their numbers. But, you know, think about it this way. I mean, think of these numbers. The, the, the Soviet high command commits 1.67 million men. 1.67 million <laughs> 32,718 artillery pieces, 5,818 tanks and assault guns, 7,800 aircraft. I mean, I mean, <laughs> thank God. We're never going to see that again. Thank God. We're for, just not. For Henry Ford, right? <laughs> well, we made their trucks. We made, they made all those T 34s, but we made those trucks. Seven thousand hey, airplanes. <laughs> I, that's that that's that's that that's unimaginable. You know that. So even as we remember, as we should, there's also this incredible Soviet attack going on. If you want to know why Hitler's Reich falls, it, it and I one is very very cautious about saying anything positive about the Third Reich, but it is indicative of how bravely those soldiers fought. That they were facing, oh, and by the way, to give you a sense of the odds they were up against, (laughs) remember, 1.67 million men, the Germans had 486,000. So a quarter of the amount. Yeah. Yeah. They had 495 operational tanks versus (laughs) 5,818. And remember the 7,800 aircraft? They had 920 
<laughs> of which 602 were operational. <laughs> so a third of their airplanes were broken. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and that total of aircraft was, oh, math is hard, one, let's call it an eighth of what the Russians had. Yeah. The Soviets had. So, you know, you, you want to know, you, you want to know why it happened the way it did and why it was as brutal a defeat as it was and such a brutal fight. It's, you know, it's, it's crazy. Wow. 7,800 airplanes. And here, here we are 80 years later and Boeing can't make one that works. <laughs> oh, it's, it is, it is always interesting. I mean, one of the things we World War II I'm not a World War II nerd, but I, I get enough into this debate to know it. You know, one of the great debates of World War II, who had the best tank? What was the best tank? Yeah. Everybody has pretty much given up on the Tiger. Everybody knows that it was a garage queen and all this other stuff. So what you're left with are three tanks. The Long Sherman, the 76 millimeter, the T-34, and the Panther. The okay. Panzer Kampfwagen 5. Those three tanks fight for supremacy when when you know aging history nerds sit around the table actually i will say this young people have taken to world war ii as a topic you know i'm a, I'm a gamer i'm a history gamer and a lot of young people have taken to world war ii as a topic and so they'll sit around i'll i'll see them argue this too which i find delightful because like yeah i had that fight 30 years ago so i'm glad to see it's still not resolved <laughs> so it's uh and, and the art and i have a model of all three on my on my shelf at work and we always have, and I pull them up there because I will be able to tell who the nerds are because they'll come in and they'll start this argument. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, you got those three, huh? <laughs> you got, you got, well, well, no, it usually is, is that T34? Yeah. Best they, tank they, of the they, war. They pick out their favorite, sure. And right. Start the and argument. And then, of course, I get to poke at them and go, well, I don't know. The Panther stabilization system and the optics that were Zeiss optical right out of Yena, those are pretty good. And that Sherman 76 had a gun that could penetrate the side armor of a Tiger but it was also made in mass quantities and quantity has a quality all its own. And so you go around and it, so, it, you know, we have these debates and all this stuff, but to your point about Boeing, the T-34, when it rolled out at the, uh, I'm pretty sure it rolled out at the battle of operation Mercury, which was the liberation of what, you know, when Hitler drives to Moscow from June to the winter of 1941 and had not seen a tank, that the Russians offered that could beat his. Well, suddenly these T-34s come rumbling the other way and they were uncomfortable. They were, uh, they were, they were stocky. There's no elegance to them, but they worked. Mm -hmm. They were nearly indestructible from a gunnery perspective. They were easy to maintain. They were simple to build. And my God, the Russians cranked out a lot of them. You know, and it's it there's there's so much to be said and to be learned from really all the construction, the military construction, the industrialization of World War Two that I, I hope we pay attention to when we talk about mass production of machinery, because they had to solve some real life problems. What was um, what was the comically large tank that Hitler insisted they build that couldn't be driven anywhere because it was too big and too heavy? That's the mouse. The mouse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the mouse super heavy. <laughs> so it was ironically uh, named? Uh, <laughs> it 
There's the Panzerkampfwagen 8, uh, completed in late 1944. It's the heaviest fully enclosed armored fighting vehicle ever built. Five were ordered, but only two hulls and one turret were completed. It weighed 188 metric tons. <laughs> its main armament was the Krupp-designed 128-millimeter gun. That's a big gun. I mean, that's a girthy gun. That's I, 128 millimeters? <laughs> that's an artillery piece. Wait, 100 millimeters is... Is that a meter? Or is it a thousand? No, no, that, no yeah. that's, that's okay. 10 centimeters. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 12.8 centimeters. But that's, remember, that's the round it's firing. Uh-huh. Milla means a thousand, Mike. Duh. So 12.8 <laughs> centimeters, though? Look, Still. Think of how big that shell is. Yeah, that's like uh, six inches. Yep. Almost. Yeah. A, a shell that big. It was powerful enough to destroy any Allied armor fighting vehicles, summit ranges exceeding 3.5 thousand, so 3.5 kilometers over a mile. Wow. Almost two and miles. The, and, there's, and there's what you got. The principal problem in the design right, is of the mouse was developing an engine and drivetrain powerful enough to propel it, yet small <laughs> enough to fit inside it. Oops. <laughs> the, uh, the drivetrain was electrical, designed to provide a maximum operating speed of 12 miles per hour. However, during actual field testing, its maximum speed achieved on hard surfaces was 8 miles per hour with full motor field, and by weakening the motor field to a minimum, a top speed of 14. It could not use any bridge, and it was intended to ford to a depth. It was, it was, it was intended to be able to go through 6.6 feet of water or submerge oh. and use a snorkel to cross rivers. Well, there, that's, that gets around the bridge issue. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> It it cannot go over the bridges. It is too heavy. We will make it submergible. Then it will go under the bridge, under the river. That's my Wait German minute, accent. I, it's bad. It started out. Okay. Excuse me. It's, excuse me, Arcano. It started out mediocre, and it went south from there. Yeah, we are supposed to get into this tank. Yeah, there you go. We are supposed to get into this tank and drive over the bridge. Oh no, you cannot go over the bridge. Why not? You will break the bridge. <laughs> How do we cross the river? You must swim. <laughs> Excuse you? We will snorkel. As if we are on vacation. But you will snorkel. <laughs> you will bloody well snorkel. Oh, man. The mouse. That's so funny. And that, that is actually bigger than the elephant, the Panzerjäger Tiger P, which was the elephant. Which was a tank destroyer, not a uh, not a true tank, which was also known as the Ferdinand. After Still. Mr. Porsche, that's a good question. This says that uh, Porsche designed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. House. By, by, uh, named after Ferdinand Porsche. Look at that! Wow, he he really did master the art of uh, motorized vehicles. You know, oh yes, everything. Well, from, but this was from the like Beatle you said earlier. Up to this, all all the nations involved did this. We weren't tr we were we were crack cranking out tack. Wow, tractors if we needed them 
but we weren't building luxury vehicles. We were building military vehicles. Mm-hmm. Have I ever seen a Ferdinand? It's v- There's only two mouse models, and I think both of them are in Russia, so I've never seen those. Yes, I have. I've seen a mouse because I've been down, or to the, I've seen the elephant because I've been down to this particular museum. Okay. But you haven't seen the mouse because the, the Russians captured the factory where they were trying to make them. Right. And they shipped them up. They're, they're in museums, but they're all in Russia, including the original wooden prototype. <laughs> well, that's how you started, right? Well, sure. You built yeah. a wooden prototype. Well, it's not like they were worried about aerodynamics. They weren't sculpting clay on top of it or anything like they do with. Right, right, right. Well, that's it. Although, <laughs> with... you know, having a low profile and, you know, being able to be below their, you know, that had certain advantages tactically. But when you're building something like this, yeah, you're not. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> we saved that for the 911. How big? How I guess... tall is this thing? The 356 or whatever. Oh, my God. This thing is 12 feet tall. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was I knew it was long. It's 33 feet long, 12 feet wide, but it's also 12 feet tall. Wow. 8.8 in, 8.7 inches of frontal armor. Jeepers creepers. <laughs> That's thick. <laughs> it's power to weight ratio, 6.4 horsepower per ton. And it had a tw- and it had a twenty inch ground clearance. Somebody built something with a seven hundred and ten U.S. gallon gas tank. Seven hundred and ten gallons in a tank, which gave it an operational range of a hundred miles on the road, and an off road range of forty. Every forty miles, if you're not on the highway. You're dumping 710 gallons into this thing. What was that power to weight ratio again? The power to weight ratio. See, this is what we, this is why it's Nerd Burger, kids. We do science. 6.4 horsepower to the ton. Okay. I have to do math very quickly here. You know that math on the radio is a bad idea. Is that a metric ton? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So (laughs) 6.4. As opposed to approximately 175 for the uh, current Porsche 911 Turbo S. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why that goes faster. <laughs> that's like comparing um, red apples to red oranges. Because <laughs> they're yes. both built by Porsche. Yes, both built by the same <laughs> manufacturer, and the similarities stop there. <laughs> That is that is remarkable. So I don't I don't know how we got here. Oh, that's right. We we're talking T thirty fours, and uh, yeah. So I mean, this is that production, that level of doing things. It, it's we can't imagine it right now. Although I will say this: what, however you think it came about, whatever you think the motivations of the previous administration were, I don't care. Their ability to create this COVID-19 vaccine in the time that they did it is amazing. Go back eight months and look what people were saying about the likelihood that we'd have a vaccine in 2021, Mm -hmm. much less be nearly ready to reopen our societies in June. Yep. You know, we look for miracles. I mean, everybody looks at, I'm a Christian, unapologetically so, I'm a Catholic. 
all that other stuff. My uncle Bruno, great uncle Bruno, of whom I've spoken frequently on this show. My great uncle Bruno once said that he was frustrated by his fellow Christians because they always wanted God to do magic. (laughs) Parlor tricks. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like water into wine and raising the dead and, and healing the sick. It's like, God doesn't work that way. You want magic? I give you a COVID vaccine. Yeah. Freaking magic. I'm, I'm vaccinated. My son got his second shot yesterday or two days ago. He's over it. It's already done. And on the 18th of June, he can go out in public and have a life. You know, he can take, he is so excited. I can't even tell you. I can't, yeah, I can't imagine with kids, you know, because to be his age, I mean, and I, I, we have had this conversation and I, I, it's funny. I've said this many, many times and I've yet to had anybody disagree with me, which probably is a little sad. It goes to Calvin and Hobbes, I suppose. I've told my son, you are now, he, his last day of seventh grade is this coming Thursday. And I've said, your summer, this summer and next summer are the best summers of your life. You will, no one expects anything of you. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to do anything. There are no more paper routes. So even that's not there. Wow. You can do whatever you want. For six months, three at a time. That's it. For six months, three at a time, just be. Is it reading? Is it riding your bike? Is it hanging out with your guys and gals? Is it playing a video game? Whatever. As much of all of the above as possible. Stuff it in there. Yeah. Because you will never get it back. And oh, by the way, you're healthy. You're young. You have energy. (laughs) You don't have aches and pains. Yeah. It isn't a, when you pick up something (laughs) off the floor. Or when you try to uh, pick yourself up out of a seat. Out of the bed or out of the seat. Yeah. <laughs> or when you collapse into the seat and realize you're probably not getting out. Well, I guess I'm stuck here for the next eight hours. Yeah, I'm good here. You know, and, and there's no job you have to get up to. And so just, just, you know, and so the fact that he's going to be able to do that without having to wear a mask, that he can go out into public. And look, yeah, he's not a big going to group things person. But the fact that he can go to the park, the fact that he can... Well, and, and of course, he's very excited because now he's the big kid at school. Yeah. He's an eighth freaking grader, baby. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> you know, he's been he's been sucking around for nine years. waiting. And in his school, which is cool, it's a multi-floor building. You make your way through the floors as you get older. Yeah. Oh, it's his K through eight? Yeah, yeah. So now is he's this, at the top floor. Is this Catholic school? It is. Okay. It is. I did. I did. Uh, I did the same thing, uh, but Lutheran. Um, Saint Thomas Aquinas Academy. And uh, we had two buildings, lower and oh, middle school. So yeah, no, no middle school. One building makes his way up through the floors, and he's going to get up there. And and that's the thing is like now he's the big kid, and he's going to get to go in person. Um, oh, and he's uh, he has been called back for uh, Charlie Brown Christmas to read the role of Charlie Brown. So. Awesome. We shall see what he's up to. In the fall. So, no, I mean, you want a miracle? I give you this. And and to me, this is the closest parallel I can think of, of what happens. And yes, we motivated it. And this just, oh, this makes me so mad. Okay, rant one. This <laughs> makes me so angry. People are, oh, well, you know, they just did it for money. Yeah. Yes. Why does anybody do anything? <laughs> Don't be stupid. Why do you get out of bed in the morning? 
Why do you yeah. lift lift your sorry ass out of the that that seated position and go? Ugh. Oh, they should have done it for good. <laughs> Look, do I admire what Jonas Salk did? Of course I do. Of course I do. But Pfizer, which seems to have the best vaccine, invented this because they wanted to make the money. Mm-hmm. And they did. They invested hundreds of millions of dollars in this. Risk and reward. And have received their reward, and they deserve it. And the idea that we would let that patent lapse drives me insane. It's like, no, don't wreck the miracle machine. (laughs) You bozos. This is meta. This is bigger than all our arguments. The world is shut down. Do you get that? The whole world is shut down and we're getting it back look at the countries and i and i absolutely agree we must must out of self-interest give not sell give vaccines to countries that can't afford it Mm -hmm. we must because we got to kill these variants before they start really percolating up you know and there's also a, a fundamental moral question there i don't dispute that we're a rich country. It's in our interest to make sure that these countries don't have it, get it, whether it be India, whether it be Burma, whether it be, you know, wherever they're having these struggles. It amazed. Did you see this? Japan is only 1.8% vaccinated. No. That blew my mind. But they never really had much of a problem to begin with. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Did they, were they lulled into a false sense of security? I don't know. Because right now as we're about to have the Olympics. Hooray. They're having a massive problem with COVID. Oh, that's right. Tokyo. Yeah. Even as the Olympics are setting to fire up, they are struggling in a big, big way. They benefited from uh, already having a a mask society, you know, culturally for decades anyway, um, going into it and also being an island nation. You know, you look at Australia, New Zealand, all these places. I'm sure Iceland was fine. <laughs> well, Iceland got to nearly 100% vaccination, lickety split. Well, it's, you know, not that hard when... How big can it be? Right, right, right. The city is like 100,000 people. <laughs> sure. But, but again, I mean, I was very surprised because if there is, a, I don't know, a better example of a first world modern country than Japan, despite its great history and and love of the past. But yeah, I was very surprised. So no, no, I'm all about give it, give it to them, give it away, give it away. Let's spread it out. Let's spread it out. But yes, of course I'm paying Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. I want the magic box to turn on when I need it. (laughs) Magic box. Give me a vaccine, please. (laughs) And they did. And it's, and it's a freaking miracle. It is. And, you know, did I feel a little yucky the second shot? Yeah, I did. But that was it. And I'm done. And my son got it and my wife got it. And now we go out. We can go out in public. What is that worth to you? What is that <laughs> worth to us as a, as a world? Couple billion dollars? Who cares? <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. I mean, given the things we waste billions of dollars on oh, otherwise. What's the number? How much we spend on Halloween candy? I think it's something like 1.3 billion. I was talking about the government, but yeah, there's that too. <laughs> you know, no, no. Oh, from a governmental perspective. No, 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 no. I'm pointing the finger at us as, as people. The junk we spend money on. 
I'll, you know, I'll point the, the finger at myself. How many video games make yeah. billions of dollars? Fortnite makes billions of dollars. Does anybody think Fortnite should give away its stuff for free? Fortnite doesn't give me my world back. It doesn't give me my society back. It doesn't give me my economy back. You'll gripe about that. Who yeah. gripes about the fact that, for God's sake, Kanye West is a billionaire? <laughs> I don't mind. God bless him. Hate the game, not the player. You know, but does anybody say he shouldn't be a billionaire? Or no. that people shouldn't spend, or that he should give away his stuff for free? No, he's earning it. Who cares? He ain't giving me my life back. <laughs> Bill Gates, who apparently can't keep it in his pants. He's Oops. a billionaire. <laughs> Although Fortnite, they do want Apple to give things away for free. Oh, <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> That's a how great dare, story. How dare you go out and, and, and over, over the course of many years, decades, build up a platform where you can you know, skim a little money off the top. How dare you do that? We want, we, we want you to stop doing that. <laughs> well, it's also, it's also the curated nature of it that drives them nuts. And I got a lot of friends in the business that that's what drives them nuts about it is that they actually do curate their, their uh, apps page. Yeah. You know, and I got friends on the Google side and the Android side and they're like, well, this doesn't, this doesn't work very well. It's not as free as the, I'm like, have you ever rummaged through the drunk the junk drawer of the Android site? <laughs> uh, no, as an Apple person, I have never yeah, done it's, that. It's kind but of I, a miserable I have, experience. I have heard the horror stories since the very beginning. The closest parallel I can come to, I am a huge fan of Tabletop Simulator on the PC. Okay. I, I have much more than 2,500 hours logged on this thing. And it basically allows you to play any board game or any miniature game you might like in a virtual space with friends. I, I play a lot of games. In fact, last night had a four-hour game of the Battle of Catrabra with some friends using the old Shaco miniature rules. And you, there's a workshop for this, and the mods in there that you can download, they're all free. They're not charged. But because it is uncurated, it is everything from <laughs> really high-end implementations of some great games, some really clever ideas about how to present your games, all the way down to basically flip books of hentai porn. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> is hentai porn is probably redundant. Um, and what and, and strange games in Arabic and Russian that I think are perverse. And it's and they what they've got 42,000 games, I think. That you can look at and it's it, it varies. So it's yeah, Apple created a curated space. And they told the other big dog, Epic. Now, mind you, as my son shared with me this morning, nobody's playing Fortnite anymore. It's over. Is it? Yeah, Fortnite has been declared over. So I, I'm, I'm sure some folks are still playing it, but apparently it's moved on to things like Apex Legends. PUBG, is that? Well, PUBG's been there a bit. I mean, PUBG is the one that actually had the legitimate beef, I think, with Epic. Because Fortnite is PUBG just for kids. Okay. But um, I, I will say this. My son and I have been actually playing Apex Legends a lot. And I will say that the, the thing about Apex Legends, well, since, well, you fired me off on another diversion. Uh -oh. I think that hasn't happened before. <laughs> um, Apex Legends is an amazing game. Remember we talked about Sea of Thieves? Yes. 
and how much I love Sea of Thieves. And is that one the one we got the, the fancy screenshots from? Yes. Yes. The the uh, the thing I loved about Sea of Thieves probably that impressed me more about Sea of Thieves than anything else is that Apex Legends, like Fortnite, is free. You can play Apex Legends for free and get an insane amount of content. Or you can choose to pay for silly things like clothes and exactly better Which weapons you never or need. whatever that you don't actually yeah. need. Yeah. That are, that are need, just you, nice. They're just nice at to have. At no point are you advantaged in the game, which I think is an amazing character study of the human spirit. <laughs> that they're as successful as they are knowing how vain we are. Yeah. Knowing, oh, wow, that's a super sweet pistol. I want that pistol. Well, it's, it's a fake pistol and it'll cost you 10 real dollars. Okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> so what? Now, I'm old enough, and actually my son has an old enough spirit. We don't buy anything. Yeah, why would you? We've got 40 hours logged into this thing and have never spent a nickel. And we have a blast. It's an incredibly fun game. It's incredibly fun. But the thing that really impressed me about it, and it wasn't until I looked into it a little bit, apparently EA, Electronic Arts, which has been around for 100 years, they launched this game and nobody knew about it. Hmm? When this game launched, it was nearly a total surprise to the gaming community. Oh, I see what you mean. Then everyone's like, what have you done? There was and no hype it. built up beforehand. That, the, the secret right, there hadn't was gotten no pre-built out. Hype. There was no, you know, six months, eight months, two years of, hey, it's coming. Preview, front page of a, well, there are no more magazines, but <laughs> front page of a website we got to play the brand new build of apex legends come along for the fun you know there was none of that they just did it and uh it's great i love it now it's a it's a fun fun game so no i you know but yeah they they spooling the story back apple creates this space it's great people enjoy it it creates it encourages creativity and then all of a sudden Along comes Epic, and they're like, well, yeah, but you got to let ours on there under our rules. And Apple's like, ah, nobody gets to, this is our house. You want to come on our house? You play by our rules. And yes, we are going to skim off the top. <laughs> yes, yes, this is not, <laughs> what's the line? Gas, grass, or ass. Nobody rides for free. <laughs> no, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, it's, it is so neat having gone through this for over a year to uh to think we're finally getting out we're finally getting out i was just stoked to, to uh you know not have to wrestle the stupid mask on on my face and wedge it underneath my glasses so that they don't fog up before i leave my car to walk across the parking lot to go into the store that has the sign that says you have to wear a mask yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna miss any of that i will not i mean i understand i understand i understood i'm there i'm fine but I will not. Don't expect me to miss it. Oh, no. I was there with the science and I was the first one in line defending and saying, look, science is about getting things wrong. Science is about experimentation. And, and that's why science should be a little humble, a little circumspect, I guess I would say. Yeah, it's not a religion like some people seem to think it is. Have, uh, have you followed the fight between Neil deGrasse Tyson and Stakem? No. I... All right. Wow, how did I not send this? 
holy cow steak um like steak ums like yeah the, the yeah microwave uh-huh. steak sandwich not microwave i i grilled mine in a pan thank you very much well yeah i mean but i think th- th- there is an option to microwave it is there not i i think so <laughs> it's the kind of thing you buy out of a vending machine and then stick in the microwave that's there on on the counter next to the vending machine that's that's the one in 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 a situation where that's how you are eating because that's your only option because you're stuck somewhere where that's the only option so 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 let's go back a little bit this is so great let's go back so i don't i don't follow neil degrasse tyson as a rule you don't have to because you don't have to this came into my twitter feed via neil degrasse tyson steakum beef want want and i went okay that's funny what the heck <laughs> i wish to know what this is about because is there actual beef in steakums there no here well here's the crazy part as they point out because now, by the way, my family is officially on Team Steakum. <laughs> Whereas before, they uh, had no dog in that fight. Right. We are did, now on did, Team Steakum. You didn't know there was Neil a fight. Tyson, um, who I think is a bit, I, I, I value his contribution to the conversation. I think he has started to believe his own stuff. <laughs> and that's, and that's a. Uh, he just says a, the r- most ridiculous things. Well, here's the thing, and this is what what a very nice segue. Like, is he trolling everyone? April, April 12th. No, I think he is in this. He is, he takes science to be a religion in competition with other faiths. And part of the point of that dialectic, which is false, is that they're following different rules. Yeah. Science necessarily avoids some of the very same things that religion does. Or doesn't. Or doesn't. Right. And so, Stakem, April 12th, 2021, quote tweets Neil deGrasse Tyson, who said, the good thing about science, capital S, (laughs) is that it's true whether or not you believe it. To which Stakem replied, log off, bro. And that's this how it started. Official <laughs> that was the official blue check Stakem account. That was the uh, gauntlet being thrown down. To which <laughs> they followed up. The irony of Neil's tweet is that by framing science itself as, quote, true, end quote, he's influencing people to be more skeptical of it in a time of unprecedented inf- misinformation. Science is an ever-refining process to find truth, not a dogma. No matter his intent, this message isn't helpful. Right. It's the process. Seeking towards truth. Questioning. Which you, which, which you may Hypothesizing. Never yeah. Constantly tweaking and readjusting. You know? And it's like, it, it just is mind-blowing to me. that and then, and then this tweet came out. Somebody replied, you must have changed social media personnel. To which Stakem replied, nope. And this uh, same day, I think. Yeah. Science itself isn't, quote, true, end quote. It's a constantly refining process used to uncover truths based in material reality. And that process is still full of mistakes, which they spelled with stake. E-A-K, yeah. Yeah. Neil just (laughs) posts ridiculous sound bites like this for clout, and he has no respect for epistemology. (laughs) Getting pwned by the Stakem's. Twitter 
person. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like it's. So is he responding? Or are they going back and forth? Is this no, ongoing? They're, they're, now, he has as not of now, been or? goaded into response. Ah. And it's it, but what has happened is it has prompted a back and forth on Twitter because that's what Twitter does between people necessarily trying to defend Neil deGrasse Tyson and those attempting to defend a sliced frozen meat product. (laughs) And ultimately, my family has chosen to be on Team Steakum. (laughs) Team frozen meat product, yeah. (laughs) To... And, and, you know, the problem is everybody is serving them up bunnies because somebody posted, know your role, R-O-L-E, Stakem. To which Stakem replied, asterisk, R-O-L-L. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, how do you even type R-O-L-E and not realize that you're missing the joke? I almost think that was a deliberate one. I just don't know how. You know, and then a bunch of people started correcting them for typing mistakes with EAK and others are like, guys, guys, yeah, look who's doing the tweeting. Uh-huh. It's a it's a it's a frozen meat product. It's with steak in the name. <laughs> it's and all the science nerds, there's a group of science nerds that are clearly deeply offended by the fact that their dude is being trolled by a meat product. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's just awesome. So, yes, uh, Team Stakem, my family, now and ever. Well done, gentlemen. Or if it's one person, well done, sir. Well done, madam. Congratulations for besting St. DeGrasse Tyson. Yeah, that's, 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 that's it. All right. So, we are uh, you're here. Where did I, it, I... I suppose, since I'm visiting... I am obligated to provide a Cyberpunk 2700 update. If there is something to update us with, then yes, you are. Cyberpunk 2077. How's that going? Um, not well. <laughs> the, uh, the latest, let's, let's remind everyone of why Jim is obsessed with Cyberpunk 2077. It began with the premise that I am interested conceptually in large project video games. I I do wish to know the state of the art. I I am fascinated by that. I am a video gamer, uh, always have been. I am interested in these. I'm also now as I've gotten older, I, you know, I know I will very likely never have a billion dollars. That is, yeah, I know. It's uh, it strikes me as unlikely, absent some horrible, horrible level of inflation that I never want to imagine. I will never have a billion dollars. Therefore, anything that can make a billion dollars impresses me, and, and well, it interests me. How's that? It interests me. Gee, how, I indicated how they earlier, do that? Not everybody that has a billion <laughs> impresses me. How do they get so, that many people well, to part with that amount of money? Yeah, precisely. And also the amount of work that goes into it. it. That does impress me because that's a lot. And so Cyberpunk 2077 was interesting on a number of levels just coming into it. And then, of course, it had one of the most disastrous launches in the history of video games. It was <laughs> Which we... unable to run on a platform that it was supposed to run on. Yep. Its servers were hacked. Epically pwned. 
at they were epically pwned. They were told they were epically pwned, and they had to ransom their own data from a bunch of epically poners. Where were the epically poners from? Russia. They were from Russia. Okay. Yeah, these are poles. Uh, and CD Projekt Red, project spelled P R O J E K T. Uh, CD Projekt Red. They have a. Uh, they're out of Poland, and they were epically pwned by some Russian hackers. Okay, I knew I knew the Polish were involved somehow, but I couldn't remember. Yeah, which side they were on. So and so they've they've had a lot of uh, serious problems. They are still awaiting approval to go back on Sony, even after they screwed up their uh, PS4 launch. Talk about, by the way, curated platforms. Holy cow! Uh, there are they're facing class action lawsuits. That no, or... uh, CD Projekt Red. Oh, okay. So they went through all this, and when it launched, among all their other problems, there were also a large number of glitches, graphic glitches, cars appearing and disappearing, facial rec- faces that were wrong, like the eyes were completely wall-eyed. <laughs> And, you know, any number of things. And, and to a certain extent, with a project of this size, I guess I'm not terribly surprised. But still, there was a lot of folks who were like, geez, guys, couldn't you have dealt with this? Well, it doesn't get a lot better. Remember, this launched in December of last year. Oh, yeah. It's been six months almost. One of the things, remember that hack that we just talked about? Yep. One of the things that was leaked from that hack was a video showing these bugs prior to release, edited for wacky comic effect that apparently was done by CD Projekt Red. Wait a minute. The company that made the video game with all the bugs yeah. put together their own funny video featuring how bad the video game was yes that they were about to release so internally so that they could laugh at how bad their own product was yep and this was floating around on their server and and the hackers found it yep and have not posted it online (laughs) and you're gonna send us that link right (laughs) oh sure (laughs) so so we can be part of the epical ponage of those guys wow so they had time to edit together a funny video when that's they, when, what's driving everybody nuts when they were busy not fixing all the problems yeah <laughs> with their video. even as they were not fixing all the problems <laughs> now they're just epically poning themselves well you know and it's like if after the thing comes out. You like do it. You were the whole time you were developing this game. You were like, oh, God, that was funny. Do that again. Do that again. I'm going to get a quick video capture of that. Right. And kind of self, yeah. self-deprecatingly make fun right. of themselves. Like, oh, we screwed that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. silly. That's wacky. That's okay. And then you put it somewhere. And after you squash the bugs and after the game was ready for the PS4 and after you were ready to be on all these other platforms. And after, after all of your... All those things were true. <laughs> all your customers have been made whole. Yeah. 
and everything right. is After fine. All your customers are made whole. You then put out a wacky video. That's cool. Yeah. Look, you look don't the... do it before the launch where it's all still there. Yeah. When you're the only ones who know about it. <laughs> because now it's like everybody says, you knew. You clearly knew. Uh huh. You absolutely, we have documented proof that you knew. Not only did you know about it, but you knew about it in such a meta way that you were making fun of it amongst yourselves. Right. And these same videos are in the game still. <laughs> <laughs> the disappearing cars and the wall-eyed faces. And, yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah. And, and look, if that was your, your memory of the, the crazy beta phase or the alpha phase or whatever, fine. Fine. Absolutely. I'm sure it's tough. You know, I'm sure that's a bit of a struggle, but really you're going to, you're going to have a video like that, that you apparently intended. And by the way, they were getting ready to put out a tweet about it. About the video? They were going to show off this wacky video. Even though they, they still haven't actually fixed it. Correct. <laughs> you're like, Hey, we got this video sitting, sitting around. Maybe we should get some play out of this. Shouldn't, don't you think we should maybe wait until we fix these problems? No, 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 no. It's been long enough. We, we can laugh at right. ourselves now. Yeah, it's, it's official. Yeah, it's, it's, everybody's cool, right? We're all cool. But the we hackers. Don't have a, a, we, we don't have a massive data hack. We don't have four class action lawsuits. We're still not on the Sony store. But the hackers beat them to it still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that is indeed your, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 update, I guess we would say. They're still not quite there yet. And I'm told, and look, I, I think I said this, I have no doubt in my mind that I will one day play this game. I was just going to ask you, have you bought it yet? No, no. No, no. It, it, it will, no, no. It, <laughs> I'm at this point. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the games here, I'll, I'll pull up my Steam real quick. On my Steam account, I have, as I said, Tabletop Simulator right at the top, but I've got Battlefield Five which is the World War II battlefield, playing with my son, uh, which just went on sale for, I think, 15 bucks. Apex Legends, which is free. Warhammer Vermintide 2, which I think I paid 10 bucks for. Battlefield 1, which is their World War I battlefield, which I paid less than 10 bucks for. And the other game that he and I sometimes play, PGA Tour Golf, which I paid $6 for. That's a lot of games right there for which I paid less than $30 total. Yep. Total, mind you. And so the idea that I would dump 60 for any game at this point, especially one as woefully not ready for prime time as clearly Cyberpunk is. Is that how much they're charging for it? Well, let's go to the store. Has it, and, and is that the same price it debuted with back in December? Or have they been See, discounting it? Yep, 60 bucks. So they haven't even brought the price no. down despite it being I have not I have not been able to since December 9th 2020 it has I imagine it's gone on sale once or twice with that 10% off or 15% off but it has never been on a substantial discount I wonder how many they're selling it you know it must be doing reasonably well I think you know I I think that and I am told by some who have played it that it does have moments of excellence I don't know <laughs> Well, if if you play whatever you know the current version for the the most current hardware, like that sort of works better, right? Right. Well, right. 
And part of the part of the complaint, of course, is that it wasn't available for the PS4. Well, that's just a whole platform wiped out. Notionally, on a PC, it's probably going to work okay. And you know what I can see of the graphics, it is. It's an, and and again, it looks like an impressive achievement. So I guess I shouldn't say because I don't know. But from the outside in, I'm just not paying sixty bucks. I'm yeah. Not doing it. Not yet, anyway. Right. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll we'll have to go there and see. Yes, we shall. All right. What else did you have for us today, Jim? Well, I don't think it would be a proper visit if we didn't visit with our guy, Sammy Peeps. I I I think that that's only appropriate. Do we have another guy? No, no. That's he's our, our guy. He's our main guy, anyway. He's our main guy. He's our main dude. The uh, let's see here. It will be remembered, Samuel Peeps. High bureaucrat in the court of Charles II, responsible by the Navy, responsible for the Navy in many ways, responsible for building the uh, British Navy into the force it would become in the 18th century and on. Um, As I think we have discussed before, we are uh, making our way through 1661. And uh, it's June 6, 1661. Oh, wow. Yeah, there we are. Which was a Thursday back in 1661. And uh, here we go, our guy, Sam Peeps. It's uh, pretty important, though, that we go uh, to Wednesday, 5th June. Otherwise, we can't understand Thursday, 6th June. (laughs) Okay. Pop back to the day before for some context. Yes, yes. This morning did give my wife four pounds to lay out upon lace and other things for herself. (laughs) Lace. Right away, yep. I to wardrobe, and so to Whitehall and Westminster, where I dined with my lord and Ned Pickering, alone at his lodgings. After dinner to the office, where we sat and did business, and Sir W. Penn, there he is, William Penn, we know him, and I went home with Sir R. Slingsby to bowls in his alley, and there had good sport, and afterwards went in and drank and talked. So home, Sir William and I, and it being very hot weather, I took my flagiolet and played upon the leads in the garden, where Sir W. Penn came in in his shirt into his leads, and there were stand talking and singing and drinking great draughts of claret and eating botargo and bread and butter till twelve at night, it being moonshine, and so to bed, very near fuddled. <laughs> Thursday, 6th June, 1661. (laughs) My head hath ached all night and all this morning with my last night's debauch. Called up this morning by Lieutenant Lambert, who is now made captain of the Norwich. And he and I went down by water to Greenwich, in our way observing and discoursing upon the things of a ship, he telling me all I asked him, which was of good use to me. Then we went and ate and drank and heard music at the Globe and saw the simple motion that is there of a woman with a rod in her hand, keeping time to the music while it plays, which is simple, methinks. Back again by water, calling at Captain Lambert's house, which is very handsome and neat, and a fine prospect at top. So to the office, where we sat a little, and then the captain and I again to Bridewell to Mr. Holland's, where his wife also, a plain dowdy, and his mother was. Here I paid Mrs. Holland the money due from me to her husband, Here came two young gentlemen to see Mr. Holland, and one of them could play pretty well upon the violin, 
But good God, how these ignorant people did cry her up for it. We were very merry. I stayed and supped there and so home to bed. The weather very hot. This night, I left off my waistcoat. So, Sam's yeah. having a good week. <laughs> Despite uh, having to lay out four pounds for lace. That, there it is. Couldn't miss a lace story. There's another one. <laughs> how much was that, uh, that, that first piece of lace that he complained about? It was in that same range. Yeah. It was very much in the same range. Four pounds, kids, is Back, a lot of money in 1661. Yeah. How, about how much? I can't remember. Was it like... I'm going to say... A couple hundred this bucks? This is the equivalent of a nice vacation. Whoa. Like a thousand bucks. Yeah. Wow. Because remember, it's still not a cash economy. Right? There's still a lot of barter at the lower levels. Yeah. Four pounds. Four pounds is somewhere, yeah, in that range. So that's some serious cash. So he went to the wardrobe. We've been there before. And he dined with his dude, his benefactor, Edward Montague, the Earl of Sandwich. He then went to business, William, William Penn. This is the father of the William Penn who founds Pennsylvania. But he goes over to R. Slingsby, Colonel Robert Slingsby. He was a colonel. He was a comptroller of the Navy. And uh, he was just a, he was he was an officer who refused to uh, he, he refused service in the parliament and uh, became imprisoned, but then became a, he actually was a royalist. So it's unsurprising that after the Civil War, he would be raised back to preferment by the king. And what did they do? They went to play a game of bowls in, in his alley, in the alley, which oh, means he had his very own out. Now, this is always outdoors. And it is on a grass surface and it can, you know, and it's, and it's lawn bowling. Okay. So the, uh, you know, this is, this, this was a very, very popular game uh, amongst the British at this time. Is this anything uh, like the bowling we know? The, with no, the closest parallel is bocce. Okay. And you're trying to roll a ball. It's and it's it's very simple, right? All the best games, all the most enduring games are simple. And what it is, you are tossing a ball to approach a target as closely as possible. It's it's summer curling. Yes. There you go. <laughs> it is still played. It goes back to the 14th, even the 13th century in England. Very popular. And he's got his own nice little setup. It's also something you do, and I've noticed this, and I, don't, I can't prove this, but I think it, so I'm going to say it anyway. It's something you do to show how nice you're, to do on a really nice lawn. To show off your landscaping. To show off your nice, clean, flat, beautiful lawn. And I know there's a lot of people that don't like grass monoculture. They criticize it in modern America and all this other stuff. But I tell you, I said, look, it's not us that invented this. Yeah. Go to Britain. And look at how the look how the rich love their long, flat, green lawns. Oh my God! <laughs> Crazy. Then they went home, his house, and he took out his flageolet. It's a wooden instrument in the flute family, but it's played like a recorder. The best example is it is succeeded by uh, what's it called? The tin whistle. The tin whistle. Mm-hmm. Which is is not a wood instrument. <laughs> no, no, but but it's just because it's it's and, and obviously they have a different sound, 
but, but the, like the size, size and configuration, sure. Yes, exactly. So this he is then like... plays upon the leads, and that may be pronounced leads in the garden. And a lead or a lead is a flat space on a rooftop, sometimes boarded over with lead. Hmm. And so Sir William Penn comes out in his shirt. Now, what does that mean? He's untucked. It's a hot day. Yeah. You know, he's not strapped in. He's in his loose shirt. And there they're staying, talking and singing, drinking great drafts of claret and eating botargo. Had to look this one up. A Mediterranean delicacy of cured fish roe, sometimes called the poor man's caviar. It's the roe parch pouch of tuna, gray mullet, or swordfish. Hmm. It is massaged by hand to eliminate air pockets. It is then dried and cured in sea salt for a few weeks. The result is a dried hard slab. That you, uh, you like, uh, grate it onto it, exactly. pasta, or at least mm-hmm. the Italians would. And you put it with bread and butter until midnight. And he was very near fuddled <laughs> like that. He was fuddled. We understand <laughs> that word, don't we? <laughs> we understand it as being befuddled. Yes, he was fuddled. <laughs> the next morning, all night and the next morning, because that claret, by the way, that they're drinking, that is some sweet, sweet wine. And the more sugar there is in the wine, the higher oh, the alcohol yeah. content. We know, we yeah. know. So after and last night's debauch. The more sugar, the higher the al- alcohol content, the more fuddling. The more fuddling and the more, <laughs> and the more hungover you are. So he's going to go down with this Lieutenant Lambert, who's made captain of a ship. And he goes to Greenwich. And along the way, this captain tells him about ship things, which is good considering you're in charge of the freaking Navy. Good to know ship things. But then he goes, where does he go? He goes down to the globe. Well, we know what the globe is. That's the theater. Uh-huh. And he, there, what, what's on display? Everybody thinks, well, it was a Shakespeare play. It was a Marlowe play. It was a play by, by you know, a Johnson play. Although he's not, he's like it. So, but Johnson play. Well, no. <laughs> There's a woman on stage with a rod in her hand, keeping time to the music while it plays. <laughs> uh, wait, she's and Sam pl- playing a Sam metronome? Sam joins all of us. <laughs> Which is simple, methinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That's the show, huh? Okay. So she's, like, what? pretending to conduct? Is that... I don't even know if she's doing that. She's keeping time to the music. She's just standing on the stage, swinging a rod around to the beat of the music. Yep. Yeah. I, and not, so not feeling that. Did, is there any mention of whether or not he paid to get in to see this? You'd have to. But he doesn't complain about having to pay it. No, but to get into the globe, especially if you're going into the the cheap seats, it's not much money at all. Because the last time we talked about Sammy, he had broken his vow and gone to the theater and then complained about how bad it was. Right. No, I think this is more a case where I don't know if it would have risen to the level of this isn't really even going to a show. This is let's pop in and see what's happening. Exactly. Exactly. And they got to do, they got to throw something on the stage. Then nothing going on but the rent. <laughs> Back again by water, where he calls at Lambert's house, which he likes. Then he goes to the office, and then he, the captain again then goes to visit, Mrs., to, to visit Mr. Holland. This is Captain Philip Holland, where his wife 
is there too. A plain dowdy. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Sam, say, Sam is going to tell you if he doesn't think your wife is good looking. Because that those things are important to Sam. Yeah, yeah. Could I do her? Uh-huh. No, would not do her. <laughs> would not do her. But he does give Mrs. Holland the money due me to her due from me to her husband. Along came two gentle women to see Mr. Holland, and one of them could play pretty well on the violin. This is the other thing I like about it's a little different than the uh modern violin, but reasonably close, so you get the idea. But the interesting piece of it is, even though there's these young gentlewomen coming in, Sam is going to judge how well they play music. <laughs> what are they doing there? They they just show up and play the violin like he, yeah, yeah, he hired them to remember, come play music? Remember, there's no TV, right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's what you do. And and what it could play and how these ignorant people did cry her up for it. So they're, they are, they are, oh, how wonderful, how wonderful. And Sam is just, it's not yeah, that good. It's just okay. It's just okay. It's better than somebody swinging a stick around on stage, but <laughs> no, not that much. It's better than that stick swinging show we saw the other day. Ah, <laughs> uh, so did you see the stick? Did you see the stick swinging show at the Globe? Yeah, it's all right. That woman could swing a stick. I tell you, to the music, oh, that too. Yeah, yeah. She's there all week, you know. <laughs> That's weird. Ooh, gotta go get the missus. She wanted to see the stick swinging show. To go we were very merry. Gonna... I stayed and supped there and to bed. <laughs> Weather very hot. I. How do you not love the fact that Sam tells you he didn't wear his waistcoat, which is his nightshirt, his uh, his yeah, basically his PJs, mm-hmm. his his top. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just he went. You know, that is that is just so so funny. So yeah, it's it 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 just it's this day. Why why again do we love it? Why, why again do we love it? It's because that's just his day. That's just his day. And we learn such little things about Sam that are still enlightening. You know, his judgment of people in the way they play music. He's always <laughs> judging them. He, he believes he's a good musician. He believes he is a skilled player on those instruments like the viol and the flageolet. And the things like that. And he will, if, and he's going to look at you and judge the pants off you if he doesn't think you do well. Do, do we know that about him, that he can play all these instruments? It, we've not hit upon it, but yes, we do. He, he, he will often, we'll, we'll try to find one for the next time where he does take a minute to, uh, to, to discuss how well he played. And, and he thinks a great deal of his own playing. Um, and then, you know, he'll tell you what he thinks about the, the various things. No, it's it's quite something. I love. And the other thing is, you can pull up a map of London at this time. There's some reasonably good renderings of it online, and follow Sam through the town. Now he's not usually. You'll notice he's not usually going through the streets. No, Sam's a better class of people. He goes by water, even when he's not trying to hide from people who might be. Well, that's different. Trying to when he's trying him. to hide from people, he thinks they're trying to take him to debtor's prison. <laughs> But, well, even then, he went by water the well, first time. Remember, he gets off because, remember, yeah. he walks, it's true, to go see Sandwich. But after he's done seeing Sandwich and gets told he's got to go to the office, he goes by water, but he has the boatman spy for him. That's right. So even then, he's going by water. But, you know, he's in charge of the Navy, so he 
Well, right. Really, it's, Why it's, not? That too. That's, that part, too, that's part of still, his job. It's, it's, <laughs> and it's, so it's hard to imagine what London must have been like. Because you go to London today and the Thames is still there and all these places are still there. More or less in the same configuration. Greenwich is still there and his offices are still there. But London is not crisscrossed by boats these days. No. Just isn't. You know, there's not a there's not a vibrant, you know, that's not how people get around London. And it very much was in June of 1661. So going with Sam that way is pretty cool. So yes, another visit with our friend, Sammy P. Excellent as always. I I can't help but notice your background there on Zoom today. And yes. I've been uh, remiss in keeping up with the news out of Green Bay. Do you have a an update for us on what's happening with A.A. Ron Rodgers? Ah, Aaron Charles Rodgers. Aaron Charles Rodgers is the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers and will be under center day one. Oh, yeah? Um, I have no doubt. I have okay. no doubt. Here's, here's my theory. It's, 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 very, it's very simple. Okay, so my, it's, my, nothing's happened since the last time. I nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. And, and here's Everyone's my, my theory. Everyone's just speculating is, is still. Okay. He wanted to be better treated. There's no doubt. And Brian Gutekunst, whatever you think of him, and Mark Murphy, the general manager and uh, team president, respectively, basically said, you don't get to decide that. His level there is treatment. no universe in which calling Aaron Rodgers on draft night makes the situation better. It just doesn't. Everybody says, well, you could have given him the courtesy of a phone call. Why? For, to what end? Hey, Aaron, we're about to draft a quarterback. You're talking you're about last, it, you're last year. You're not giving him input. This is last year you're talking about. Yeah. The, everybody seems to say this is about Jordan Love. The decision of the Green Bay Packers to draft Jordan Love in the first round as notionally Aaron Rodgers' replacement someday. Like Rodgers was drafted as Favre's replacement, possibly someday. someday. And Aaron Rodgers, according to all accounts and reports, resents this deeply. And I have said on numerous occasions, the people who feel that have never had to hire and fire people. You just don't understand how personnel management works if you think that. You never, ever involve someone in that process if they don't have a say. It doesn't make any difference. Because if you call him and tell him and he goes, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 you're not going to wait. You're going to do it. And then he feels worse because you told him and then did it anyway. Yeah. Now it seems like you're being a jerk. No, you don't tell him it's not his job. He has no choice. He will play because he doesn't, he doesn't have that many years left. He can't afford the Packers are not going to trade him. Yeah. They've made that very clear. He must play. He will play. He knows this is his best chance to actually get to a Super Bowl. The only other option is sitting out a season, and at his age, that's not really an option for him. That's, that's, that's a level of wasting your life that he cannot afford. Yeah. And the other thing is, and I have said this, and I want to be very, 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 very clear of my views here. I, am in, I get how grateful I should be that he is my quarterback. I have seen the, Green, I have seen the, the Detroit Lions. I've seen the Minnesota Vikings. I've seen the Chicago Bears. I've seen any number of NFL teams have 30 quarterbacks <laughs> in the time that I have had two. Uh-huh. Okay? I've had two. Yeah, in the last 30 seasons, right? Right. Go look up the list of quarterbacks that have started. And I get it. We had to start a couple guys here and there when Rodgers was injured. 
but that's rare too because Rodgers has been tough far tougher than folks expected him to be yeah and I give him all that credit it's not really fair to compare him to Favre who who's a, who was a lunatic right who would just play with broken bones just, you know who's just because not, and and by the way Rodgers played with a broken leg yeah for all intents and purposes what he had in that season was essentially what you and I, what our doctors would have called a broken leg. Mm-hmm. You know, so tough man, no dispute. I, I get all those sta- all those sayings and all those statements, but with all that true, you got to cowboy up, son, and say that this is the problem, what it is, and what you want. Otherwise, shut up. Seriously, this passive aggressive. Oh man, it's just a philosophy, you know. It's about people, and it's about today, and it's about tomorrow. <laughs> it's about now. It's about now. I'm in a good place. I love Jordan Love. He's a good kid. That's not the question, you doofus. Nobody was asking you if you're going to take warm showers till the wee hours of the morning. We were asking how you felt about him being drafted, and we know how you felt because you've said it. You said it to a million people that you use as your factotums, as your secondhand sock puppets. We know how you feel. We know you resent it, but you don't have the character to come out and say it. There's a quarterback down there and that plays for the Dallas Texans who has, or Dallas Texans, <laughs> who plays for the, that's, I, I just run them together, who plays for the Texans who had the character to say he wanted out. I respect that. I would hate it. Because I want to keep my excellent quarterback. Yeah. But he had the courage to say it. You don't. You're gutless. You go through your functionaries. You go through your flunkies. And the media, this is the really amazing and annoying part to me. We have talked about this before on the show back back when Craig was around. The media, the sports now is the last thing we all do together. Yeah. As a society, as a culture. In everything else, we have driven off into our little cultural cul-de-sacs. You know, we all watch it on YouTube. We watch it on Netflix. I think we got a little bit close with things like, uh, shoot, was I thinking of? The Mandalorian? Yeah. But that was like nerd culture, too. Not everybody was watching. A lot of people were watching The Mandalorian, but there are a lot of folks that weren't. Much higher percentage of of, of nerds in that audience. But sports? Yeah, sports people, we are watching that together as a group, as a society, as a culture. All but, shapes, all sizes. Yep. And and women and men and old and young and, and black and white and all sorts of all the things marketers want. So it's such a big deal, which is why sports, I don't know if you noticed, is pretty big freaking business. Yeah. <laughs> Look at all the radio stations that are doing 24 hour sports talk. Look at all the TV shows that are 24 hour sports talk. Well, like uh, my sister, Dr. Lori, was on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about trying to find a new streaming service because they're uh, you know she's upset with the the current one got rid of of uh Fox Sports. They're like we, okay. we we can't have that. We can't have that in this house. We have to have our sports network. So we have to now we have to find a new streaming service that has the sports network that we like to watch because yep. otherwise there goes, you know, a significant percentage of our entertainment. Well, the big one up here <laughs> And this is this was drama and still is. The Milwaukee Brewers are pretty good this year. Yeah. And they're not available anywhere except FS1. That's that's what yeah, that that was the Fox Sports. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have a local TV contract. What? Correct. Okay. She didn't she didn't go into that much detail with me. I had no idea that it was this bad. 
How are they not on yeah. TV? Uh-huh. Tell me about it. TMJ lost them? Yep. Correct. Wow. Now they're on the radio. Well, to, oh, yeah. I want to listen to baseball. Well, we got Euchre. What is this, 1920? I get it. <laughs> yeah, if you're out washing the car, or you got your, heads, your headphones on, you're mowing the lawn, listening to Euchre is pretty good. We That's got it pretty true. good up That's here. true. Yeah, it's special. But listening is still but, probably no, better than watching and from the outfield if you're actually there. I, I don't go to, I don't go to events really, period. <laughs> I figured it out after I went to my fourth or fifth NASCAR race. Like, I'm never doing this again. Yeah. I'm gonna watch this on TV where I can figure out what the heck is going on. I went to one Brewers game in Old County Stadium. Third old I, country stadium. When I was <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid. And we had seats in the like in the like right field close to center. Like, pretty much yeah. as far away as you could be from the plate. That's could, the bleachers. I had no idea what was happening. No. We were sitting there, you know, kids, goofing around, you know, horsing around, yeah. e- eating popcorn, drinking soda. Like, we couldn't... And, and every now and then, somebody would go, hey! Yeah, the crowd would cheer, and we wouldn't know why. Right. <laughs> no, and look, I, I love Miller Park. I think it's a wonderful venue. I think people should go there, and it, it is very cool. I enjoy it. Is it still but called yeah, Miller no. Park? Huh? Is it still called Amfam Field? Amfam Field. They did switch over this oh, off yes. season. Oh okay. yes, it is Amfam Field. American and, uh, So no, I like it a lot. Field. I do, but I'm not going. Yeah. You know? So yes, you can't get, you cannot get a Brewers game on regular TV in the city of Milwaukee. Correct. <laughs> not even when they're playing a home game. Correct. Wow. How did how did uh. Do we know how that happened? Bidding. Money. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, the team sold it, the rights to Fox Sports One. Correct. Knowing full well that meant that most of the fans couldn't watch the games. Or correct. a great, or that, a great or percentage many fans of the were now fans cut out. were cut out. Yep. Yikes. And and that's a big deal because as we say, that is one thing. Uh, that I have heard people from different and again. Not just guys, not just women, not just black, not just white, not just old, not just young. Say, hey, man, I got to get FSN because I got to be able to see my Brewers game. Mm -hmm. That's impressive. That's impressive. And because that is that way, the way we treat Aaron Rodgers is inflected. Because all these people, all these journalists, they're just, you know, first of all, they're either ex-jocks. Yeah. Guys who weren't jocks but are huge jock sniffers, <laughs> the nerds, or hot chicks because they got to have hot chicks. <laughs> yeah, you know. And don't get me wrong; some of these ladies are actually the real experts on sports. I have discovered. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced, and I'm willing to be proven wrong, but I'm convinced they were all women who were raised by dads who either wanted a son or whose sons failed them and didn't follow them into sports, and the daughters did. Yeah. And so they picked up their dad's love of sports, and they're freaking great at it. You know, they know statistics, they remember games, they've watched tape, and they're articulate in a way that many former athletes are not. Probably the most important trait. Right. But all of them, which from whichever line, they don't want to alienate Aaron Rodgers. Oh, no. They got to talk to Aaron Rodgers. They need him as a, unless you're Skip Bayless, whose job is to be hated. 
you know, whose act is to have people loathe him, which is all right. I respect the act. I really do. <laughs> well, no, I mean, look, there's nothing going on but the rent. And that's how Skip pays his bills. I don't respect him as an expert. I know what his job is. His job is to make you mad. And he does a good job of it. And you got to remind yourself, oh, he did it again to me. He tricked me into making me mad. I shouldn't care what he thinks. <laughs> but he's good at it. And so he's on there and he's doing this and they're all doing this. But everybody but him, they want to talk to Aaron Rodgers. So nobody, 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 nobody asks Aaron Rodgers the first hard question. Much less a proper follow-up to those questions. They don't want to endanger their access. And what nobody has had the courage to talk about that I've heard. Do you remember? We may have talked about this. Do you remember when they fired Mike McCarthy? And there was this thing when they hired LaFleur. That an article came out in The Athletic. That told all these background stories. About Rogers and McCarthy? Yes. Yeah. One of the things that came out in that story that was much in dispute was that Murphy called Rogers and said to him, are you going to be a problem? Don't be a problem. And Rogers said, I won't be. I won't be. And everybody has half denied that that ever occurred. In this context now, is there any doubt that it occurred? Because <laughs> why would you order somebody not to be a problem? If you didn't suspect there was a good chance they would be. It is crystal clear to me that that conversation occurred. That Mark Murphy said to Aaron Rodgers when he hired LaFleur, I got rid of McCarthy. I got this new guy. Are you going to be a problem? Because he had been a problem. Yep. He's he a, helped get McCarthy fired. He's a little bit of he a was diva. De- he was deliberately insubordinate. Mm-hmm. I think everything in that article now is much more credible. Oh, yeah. I believe. I think that article has been. I don't know whether its details are correct, but in the broad outlines of it, clearly it's more accurate than we ever gave it credit for. I thought it was entirely plausible at the time, and now I'm just even more convinced. So I'm sure Craig, wherever he is, is like now triple wound up. Because as he correctly said, and I said this when when the story first broke about Aaron Fuss, you know, when Aaron launched that story on draft day. Can't I have one Hall of Fame quarterback who isn't a complete mental case? Yeah. <laughs> third time's the charm, I guess. Right. Do I get a third? Do I get one? Because most teams don't get one. All right. No, I acknowledge no. that. We've had two in a row for the last we had two in a row, two of the greatest years. quarterbacks to ever play the freaking game. And it both ended the exact same way. Or it looks like, yeah. And so, but all the way around, no new news. Everybody's trying to create these false timeline things. You know, oh, well, you know that June 1st is the big day because that's when they can trade him. They're not going to trade him. Oh, you know that this first day. No, no. The only day that matters as far as I can figure out, well, you know, he's going to start paying fines. Do you understand how much money Aaron Rodgers has? How much are the fines and what percentage that yeah. is oh, of how much money he has? a $50,000 fine. Ooh. Ooh. This is like when it came out that Michael Jordan was betting $500 at a round of golf. Do you understand what that is to Michael Jordan? That's the change he finds in his sofa cushions. Yeah, that's, that's to you and me, that's a dollar. Mm-hmm. That's a dollar. I bet a book. That's, what, that's how much he cares about it. 
Aaron Rodgers don't care, especially when this principle is at stake, such as he sees it. No, the only day that's going to matter is the one preseason game. He will wear the uniform. You know why? He won't even have to play. We all know that. We don't want to see Aaron Rodgers play in a preseason game. Don't you dare. Don't you dare put him out there. Are you kidding? Not since uh, Nelson blew out his knee. Right. Was that like five years ago? Nobody who's any seriously good plays on that day. (laughs) No, 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 no. Absolutely not. So he's not going to play, but he's going to be there. And he's going to love it because he can stand outside, wave at the fans, take the questions, blow off the questions. And just, no, he's going to be there. He's going to be under center. It's next year that really matters. Yeah. And because that's where they have to, because he has no, he has no leverage now other than sitting out, which he will not do. So this is my view of things as they stand. Feel free to mark the tape and see how this all turns out. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're right. I think you're onto something. Like you said, all these dates that everybody's been prognosticating about are coming and going, and literally nothing is happening. <laughs> nothing no, good, and nothing bad. This. And we love this, right? Which, which because... means that it's just going to, what, whatever's going to happen is going to be what would normally happen. Yeah. Right? If nothing extra good or extra yeah, bad is there happening. There is a process here that will happen and does not, think about it. If, let's say everything was great, do you really think that Aaron Rodgers would be here? You know, would he have shown up for these things? I don't think so. No, no. He's not going to interrupt his Hawaiian vacation with his actor (laughs) friends. No, no, no. So, go Pecco. Yep, we got less than three months, right? Less than three months before we do it again. Is it the last run with Aaron Rodgers? Might be. Might It could definitely be. It could absolutely definitely be. I hope it isn't, but this, this one could be. But we're probably 99% going to see him. One yes. More, one more, I, that's one where more I'm season. at. Yep. I agree. 99.9 decimal repeating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's a show. Oh, my goodness. Well, it was a fun show. I was glad to be here for it. And thank you for uh, helping out. Entirely my pleasure. Love to be here with everyone in the Nerdburger universe. We love to have you. In every sense of the word. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Jim, do you want to, do you want to know where they can find us? Hey, where can they find us on the internet, Mike? I'm so glad you asked. They can find us at nerdburgershow.com. Email us, nerdburgershow at protonmail.com. Join us next time on Nerdburger. When other things happen. <laughs> now I don't even remember who's the guest. Who's the guest on Nerdburger? Join us next time. When Josh will it is be here. Aaron Rodgers? No, it will not be Aaron Rodgers. Will he announce his intentions on Nerdburger? We can only hope. That would be a ratings booster. I, I, for one, know that uh, I would bend over backwards tossing him softball questions all hour long if uh, he wanted to show up on this show. Well, that's, that, well, but you know what, though? You're a podcast. You are in the company of ESPN.
<laughs> on that. Because that's what they do. Yeah. You know, they're going to have a budget of three hard questions, which, by the way, they have pre-sorted with him. Oh, sure. They have said to him, all right, Aaron, we're going to ask you these three tough questions. And he might even declare one of them to be off limits. Yeah, and they didn't even talk to him about it. They had their people send the Correct. questions to his people who then Mr. you know Aaron says, "Yeah, we start getting all this third person crap." <laughs> it's 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 a show. It's just a show. And and so is sports. You know, so is sports. The you know, it's, it's our what did what did Maximus teach us? Are you not entertained? <laughs> and damn the NFL. Yes, I am. <laughs> For all the right reasons and some of the wrong ones. You know, I am still, I am still, I am still, you know, with the, the not in the pit of my gut when that bastard rolls right and heaves it on a slant on a rope and does. And look, yes, he does things that nobody else can do. There were moments leading up to that horrible game in, uh, in Lambo last year. There were moments leading up to that game where you remembered how great he truly is. Oh, yeah. Last season was awesome, right up until the end. Yeah, up until one game. Yeah. When we took the pants off the L.A. Rams, we were told how great they were. Oh, I know. And we beat their brains in. Oh, so great. <laughs> and we watched how great this offense could be. And LaFleur's got a great scheme. It was great. I loved it. And the, de it. the defense was showing up. Oh, and doing their job. It was, it was, you know, it's one of those things. It was just aggressive enough. Uh huh. You know, was it fiercely aggressive? No, no, but it was just enough. It was enough to give us Heavy. all hope. Well, I mean, look, I, it, if Kevin King, well, actually, part of it is the defensive coordinator's fault, but if Kevin King isn't playing deep one right before the half, you know. That's a big difference. Yeah. Well, I've said there are five times in that game we could have won that. So we could have won that playoff. Five times. That if any one of them happens, we win that game. Yep. It's ga it's games like that, or performances like that, or collapses like that that make me suspect that it's rigged. Well, honestly, <laughs> that is where that is where Nick, the alderman, I appear with. That's where he gets his theory that that Rogers deliberately sabotages games. For what reason? Because he because he's angry. Because he, he's angry at whoever. Because well, if you it, think it, about it, in the if front you office, think about it from his perspective. Okay, if you think about it from his perspective, he did exactly what he would have wanted to do, which is to say, he showed them that he was still great. Right. Yep. He won the MVP. Right. He had an MVP season. And then he took him right to the door and choked it away so that they didn't get a trophy. <laughs> and what did he lose? A ring. One of which he already has. Right. Because he knows he ain't catching Brady. No, no one is. Right. Bastard is the best quarterback of all time. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, but also let it be said, I, I still believe that if I had one game my life on the line, I'm starting Aaron Rodgers, assuming he's his head is in that right place that day. Assuming, Sigh. Assuming he's playing for him. Right. And assuming his, he's playing and, for something and, that matters. And his him. and his MVP trophy. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I just go find out where my family got off to. Okay. There you are. You're over there. <laughs> Thanks again. You bet. Take care, man. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.